content warning for this episode. If you have a problem with things that aren't very good, you might want to steer clear of today's episode, of any episodes of the Rich Outcast. Thank you. Well, the weather outside is frightful, and my thoughts are ne'er insightful. But since there's somewhere to go fast, let us podcast, podcast, podcast. Oh, hello folks, this is Rish Outfield, and you are listening to the Rish Outcast. This would be our Christmas episode 2021. I left this to the last minute, and that's kind of what this episode will be about. I think it's fortuitous, actually. I I worried about what I would present for a Christmas episode. I had a story, one of those British ghost stories that you're supposed to tell on Christmas Eve that I had recorded. I had not yet edited. And I honestly didn't know whether I liked it enough to present it on the show or have anything interesting to say about it. I know what you're saying. Since when do you have anything interesting to say? Thank you for at least asking that question. It's more thoughtful than you usually are. So just very, very briefly before we get to the story, every year my family on my mom's side of the family has a big Christmas get-together. Last year I think we skipped it because of COVID, but every other year, Pretty much there has been a, a Christmas party and uh, she comes from a great big family. Uh, so there's always a lot of people that are nearby or willing to come by. And every year we do this white elephant gift exchange. I was talking to Big Anklovich and his family would do the same thing. He also came from a large family. They had their own way of doing things and their own customs for it. And Big sounded pretty good. There was a lot of math involved with Biggs, so that automatically makes it inferior. But uh, basically what we do is everybody brings a wrapped white elephant gift that you don't put your name on. Nobody knows what's inside these gifts, but we all sit around in a circle. Just at random, you're supposed to grab a gift. We all sit in a circle, and then someone is tasked with reading the story or the poem And the gimmick of the the story is that every time the word right is spoken in the story, you pass your gift to the right. And every time the word left is spoken, you pass to the left. And often my uncle is tasked with presenting these stories. And that's fine. He'll just find one online. There there exist several of these out there already. It's not uniquely our family's idea or anything like that. But about five years ago, I was given the task of doing this, and I wrote my own story with right or left, and it was really short, and it was benign and toothless and not really about Christmas or anything like that. But it went over well, and afterward I thought, oh no, because I did this original thing, they're going to ask me to do this every year. But they didn't. It was somebody else's turn the next year and somebody else's turn the next year. And then last year we didn't have one. 
And so, yeah, it's, 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 it's not something that I really think about that much, but it was my niece's, she volunteered to be in charge this year. And today is the Christmas party. And she thought it would be fun if everybody was supposed to wear pajamas. And because she is young and you can forgive a lot when someone is young, nobody vetoed that. People said, all right, well, we'll, we'll try that. Uh, a couple of years back, we did a uh, ugly sweater competition at the get-together, and that was really fun. Good stuff. She sent out a big email that had a list of everything that everybody was supposed to bring. So a pie, for example, or, or a vegetable or something, you know, kind of thing. And I guess I hadn't paid any attention to what I was supposed to bring because my mom, two days ago, said... Hey, uh, did you remember your white elephant story? And I didn't understand what she was talking about. I thought she was referring to, because uh, I was going to pick up my nephew at preschool at the time. And I thought, oh, I, I'm supposed to do something at the preschool? She's like, no, on Saturday for the Christmas party. And I, I that was the first that I had heard of it. I, I went back, I looked in the email, and yes, I, I am in charge of the story this year. And so... The, the next day, Friday, yesterday, I had intended to sit down and write a story the night before I had sort of thought about it and tried to come up with various ideas, something that might be fun, but didn't really have time to work on it. And then yesterday, I ended up with a lot of things that I had to do. And my brother-in-law was not feeling well, and so he asked if I would go pick up my nephew from school, and my nephew had three other classmates that also needed a ride from school. And so I had to trade vehicles to find something that would fit four people. And, and I started to really stress about this story. And luckily I talked to, to Big Anklovich and he said, but how, how good does it have to be? How long does it have to be? And I told him it doesn't have to be long or good. In fact, because there are kids involved, the shorter, the better. And he's like, well, then just pound something out. Nobody cares except you whether it is any good. And that sort of took a little bit of the pressure off. So I went to the library and I sat down and I, I wrote a story and we'll, I'll talk more about it afterward. But I, I realized that it was going to be too long. And so after I, I reached the end, I went back and pared it way, way down when I say way, way down, my story was about 1,400 or 1,500 words, and I pared it down to just under 900, 899 words. And so you, I'm going to let you listen to the longer version before I pared it down, just so that that doesn't go to waste. And, and the other thing that's great is now I have a Christmas episode for my podcast. Enjoy? The Family Christmas Party by Rich Outfield Latruvia and Marcus had been dating for a while, and the time seemed right to get engaged. She said yes, and when it came time for her family Christmas party, she had a ring on her left hand. Will there be a lot of people there? he asked. Well, my mother was from a big family, eight boys and three girls, 
so you can imagine how many grandchildren there are. Three? Good guess, but no. Hey, I've got to warn you, Latruvia said before they left to meet her family. There are going to be some real characters at the party. Characters? Like Grimace and the Hamburglar? She shook her head. My mom said to pick a boy with brains because looks fade. I guess she was right. No, characters like my cousin Brendan. He loves to take things that don't belong to him. What sorts of things? Wallets, cell phones, grandpa's catheter bag, anything that's not nailed down. Cousin Brendan, I'll be careful. And I have an aunt Gladys. She, uh, tends to find things wrong with people. What, like when people say irregardless? Right, irregardless. But also if your pants don't match your shirt or your posture isn't right or your hair is too long or you've got a big Adam's apple, that sort of thing. Well, I barely have an Adam's apple at all, Marcus said. So I'll be all right. So you say, she warned, as they drove through the countryside. Just try not to be offended. Aunt Gladys. Got it. Anybody else? Uncle Jeremiah, Latruvia said. What's wrong with Uncle Jeremiah? He's got a beard, she shuddered. Plus, he's from Pennsylvania. Marcus gasped. And they let him come to the party? Good point, Latruvia said. Oh, and be careful around my sister Eugenia. What, does she have a beard too? Not usually, but the thing is, she loves cats. Well, that's okay. I had a cat when I was a kid. Just consider yourself warned. All right. Thanks. Oh, one more. One more what? Sister or aunt? One more warning. My cousin Zadie. What about her? She treats everything like a competition. All right. And then there's Uncle Alan. But the less said about him, the better. Are you sure you want to come to the party? Well, have you left anyone out? Marcus asked. Not that I can think of. Then yes, I want to come to the party. They drove out of town until they reached a big barn right in the middle of the countryside, all decked out in Christmas lights and snow sculptures. Wow, this is where you grew up? asked Marcus, getting out of the car. Latruvia said, No, this is a barn. We left the venue up to my cousin Sandrine, and, and she thought it would be fun to get together in a place with no heating or indoor plumbing. Well, that's certainly unique. If unique is code for the only thing that was available, despite it costing $50 more, then yes. She left it to the last minute. They went inside. Several members of the family were milling about, and dozens of children running wild. One of the people there, an unassuming man sitting quietly, had a beard. Immediately, a sour-looking woman walked right up to them. So, Latruvia, this is Mr. Ride, is it? Marcus, this is my Aunt Gladys. Well, hello, Aunt Glad. I'm her aunt, not yours, Gladys corrected. 
And you two are engaged? That's right. We're engaged, Latruvia said, holding out her left hand. Just picked out the ring last Thursday. Save the receipt, Aunt Gladys warned her niece. I can tell about people. She looked him over. First of all, he's much too tall for you. He pots his hair on the left. Oh, that's a bad sign. And he'll have a belly on him within five years. Well, I'll get right to work on that, Marcus said, not letting it bother him. You smell like boysenberries, Gladys grumbled. And the color of your coat hurts my eyes. Well, I'll just take it off, he said, doing so. That's a mistake, Latruvia said. It's about 20 degrees in here. Well, it was sure nice to meet you, Gladys, Marcus said anyway. Your Adam's apple is too small, she criticized. Were your parents really hoping for a girl? They left the old woman's side and walked to their left, where a Christmas tree was set up, along with a table covered in presents. A young boy was making off with the biggest of these, Cousin Brendan. Latruvia went after him, and Marcus looked around the barn, where various family members were chatting amongst themselves, or eating enchiladas and sauerkraut. Further to his left was a young woman sitting in a chair, an infant in her arms. She was cooing to it, and Marcus gave her a smile. The woman looked up at him, made a less-than-impressed face, then turned her attention back to her baby. He approached her and said, "'Hello, I'm Marcus. Is it a boy or a girl?' "'What do you mean, it?' Eugenia said, and only then did Marcus realize that she was holding a fat gray tabby cat in her arms. It was dressed in a baby's onesie, complete with a bib and a bow in its fur. This is my daughter, Lucretia. Right, he couldn't help but say. As quickly as he could, he left the woman alone with her child. Latruvia joined him once again, this time being followed by a girl who looked remarkably similar to her. There's no controlling that kid, she muttered. Funny he never steals when he's around me, the other girl, Cousin Zadie, said. Marcus, this is my cousin Zadie. She's, I'm engaged too, Zadie announced, showing off the ring on her left hand. It had a diamond and two rubies on it. He's a doctor. Congratulations, Marcus said, remembering that there had been a cousin who treated everything like a competition. He's got very straight teeth, never even needed braces, boasted Zadie. I'm envious of him. Marcus said. Uh, which one of you two is older? I'm three days older than Latruvia, boasted Zadie. I was born premature. Marcus, were you talking to Eugenia before? Latruvia asked. You should have warned him, Zadie said. I warned Clifford, right before he left to get me a Xanax. I did warn him, Latruvia said, looking across the barn at her sister attempting to breastfeed her cat. I wonder if she brought Torquemada or Machiavelli this time. Cousin Zadie rolled her eyes. Oh, this is a new one. I forget what she called it. Latruvia sighed. I see something like that, and I go right to the wet bar. Oh, I bet I can drink more than you, Truve. 
Zadie said, and ran to fill her glass. Marcus met nearly everyone there, except for Cousin Sandrine, who had organized the venue, but complained that it was too cold, and left. He met his girlfriend's parents, grandparents, cousins, aunts, nieces, brothers, step-cousins, sister, nephews, uncles, second-cousins, half-cousins, and cousin-in-laws. Nearly everyone was friendly, or at least polite, except for Uncle Alan, who told an inordinate amount of jokes with racist or scatological punchlines, or both. They sat down to have a plate of tamales and bangers and mash. Latruvia asked, Hey, Marcus, where did your coat go? He turned. Oh, I left it on that chair, he said, pointing to his left, where an empty chair sat. Cousin Brendan, Latruvia said, and went after him again. Most of the family was very welcoming of Marcus, and they all sang holiday songs that made him feel right at home. He thought that, despite everybody's eccentricities, like Cousin Zadie trying to outsing everyone, and Cousin Brendan absconding with his grandmother's heart monitor, and Uncle Alan's jokes about the planet Uranus, everything seemed right as rain. Unfortunately, Eugenia's cat scratched Aunt Gladys, who tried to kick it, and Eugenia began yelling about animal rights, and the party was over. In the spirit of the holiday, Aunt Gladys came back to their side and told them she had changed her mind. About what? Oh, I think Marcus is Mr. Right after all. Is that right? Latruvia said. Irregardless, I apologize if anything I said hurt your feelings, she told Marcus. I'm not easily offended, he said. Oh, that's right, said Aunt Gladys. People with big noses tend to be very understanding. And with that, she headed right for the door. Before they left, Latruvia's grandmother took Marcus aside and said, It sure was nice meeting you, Martin. Marcus, I'm sure you'll make my granddaughter very happy. Oh, and I want to apologize about Uncle Jeremiah. About the beard? You noticed? she asked, mortified. Yes, we're very sorry. The family members went their separate ways, promising to write, and when Marcus and Latruvia got to his car, he realized his keys were gone. Cousin Brendan had struck again. But beyond that, everything would be all right. The end. Okay, well, thank you for uh, indulging me on that. I did explain the right and the left, right? Maybe what I didn't explain was that I felt like that there was this pressure to produce something good and that it was internal pressure. It was something... It was important to me that I write a good story and not just download something off of the internet. So when I thought of the broken mirror prompt that we had a couple of years ago where somebody brings their boyfriend slash girlfriend yeah to a christmas family christmas party but it is not what they expected something like that or things are not as they seem 
That was over on the Dune Steve. You can go over there and listen to those, as far as I know, right now, but not for much longer. So go check them out. But yeah, I, I wrote a story called The Many Faces of Christmas Eve with that same premise. And I thought, well, you know, I could write something very, very short about a girl and a guy going to a Christmas party. And it'll be our family Christmas party. And I'll have a couple of in-jokes in there. And that will please me. And basically, the, that was the thought. Is, is As long as I write something that amuses or pleases me, I don't have to worry about offending Aunt Gladys or anything else like that. And so I, I went to the library yesterday and I sat down. I was using their computers and I had my notes from the day before and then I started writing the story. Uh, it was very rudimentary, but you, you just heard the story. It's fairly rudimentary. I got about 700 words into it. I even paused when I reached 666 words and took a picture and sent it to Big Anklevich. And then the computer screen went blue and it said, this computer has had an error and must restart. And that was disappointing. But granted, I had only written 700 words and most of those words were based on the notes that I had from the day before of this is, this is who will be at the party and that this is their characteristic. So the computer restarted and I lost everything and I started again. But here's something very interesting to me, not to you, but to me, it was way, way easier and way, way faster writing it the second time. Even if it, let's say, took me 20 minutes or 15 minutes to write it the first time, I'd say it was like seven or eight minutes, not even 10, to get to those 700 words again. Now, granted, I, you know, not everything was word for word. There were little details in the first version that weren't in the second version, but eh, who cares? Oh, uh, by the way, the second time I was writing it, I did it in the body of an email in Gmail because Gmail will save your progress as you go. And Big Anklevich says Google Docs is the way to go. And, and, and he's probably right, except for just this same week. It was like Monday or it was Tuesday. I was at the library. I was writing and the Internet went down. There was no way to save my progress. The Internet was just down and the library was going to be closing. They had done their like announcement, their 10 minute announcement. And so it seemed highly unlikely that the internet would come back before we all got logged out automatically on their computers. So the only thing I could think of to do was I took pictures with my phone of the screen and then I paged down and took a picture of that. And that was how I saved my work. I mean, I tried opening a new window. I tried going into the drafts on my Gmail just to see if maybe it had saved something. Maybe that should be an outtake. Sorry. So, so this second pass that I went through, I focused on putting in the words right and left. And there were a couple of times when it sort of forced. But I tried not to make it ridiculously contrived. Like the first time I had a story of this, you know, five years ago, the main character's name was Wright. Katie Wright, W-R-I-G-H. T, and that way, every time I said her name, people had to pass to the right. This time I didn't do that, although I did do the Mr. Right thing. 
And there were a couple of times when there were just lefts and rights already in the story that I hadn't intended, like, you know, somebody going right for the table or they left it there kind of thing. But this time I did all of those and I put them in all caps anytime that it was a right or a left. And I, I came up with like uh, one more little joke that I inserted there. And then I got to the version that you just heard. And then after that, I said, okay, now I'm going to try and cut this down, make it shorter. And, and I know that people are going to complain that it was too long. And I, there's not really any way I can get around that. It's about nine minutes long. And maybe I'll read it a little bit faster so it'll be eight minutes. But still, it is what it is. I cut things out. I, I cut out the cousin that was competitive. So every reference to her is gone in the family party version. There were a couple of like little jokes that I put in there for me, like tamales and sauerkraut or something like that, that I cut because that's not going to amuse anybody but me. I got it down to 900 words and I thought I'd probably pare it down just a little bit more. And I could also cut out like the he saids and she saids too which would make it shorter because I'm going to do different voices for these characters. But ultimately, I thought, you know what? <laughs> this is this is good enough. And if it's like the old Saturday Night Live sketch said, if you don't like that, you can have the Balzac. I never knew what that meant. I just liked it. And so there you go. I hope that you enjoyed it in some way. What, what I'm planning to do tonight is to give my niece, Cathexis, a bell. I have a bell from my mom from her school teaching days that she would ring when it was like time to come back from recess or, you know, I, I put your heads down on your desks kind of thing. It's something that we used to do. I wonder if they still do that. And so I printed out a version of the story for Cathexis to hold and ring the bell every time one of those words was used. And I considered doing that for you guys. And I wonder which I should do. It's, it's, it's going to be a tiny bit of work for me to put in a bell sound, but not really. I mean, a couple extra minutes. Boy, I wonder. I don't know what I should do on that. Damn, I said I don't know. Twice! So, I had intended to record a little bit at the beginning and then tell you afterward record tomorrow or something about how it went but at this point i've talked long enough i don't know that i need to uh, i don't need to relieve the suspense as to whether it was well received or not all the character names are changed and that's something that i hadn't anticipated everybody's going to know who everybody is in the story but hopefully people just assume that it's all made up. I don't know. When, when I don't know, Margo. When Uncle Alan is telling racist jokes, everybody's going to know who that's really about. Oh, well. Tis the season. Anyhow, I am actually looking forward to going to this Christmas party. It starts in about three hours. Usually we have fun. I like a lot of the people in my family. You know, I talked about my uncle passing away a couple months ago, and, and he will be missed at the festivities. And I, I talked about this on my Patreon address for December, but my mother had a stroke the other day, and 
it wasn't a very severe one, but it did affect her memory, and she was unable to remember names and certain details. And so I asked her things like, what's your brother's birth date? And she couldn't remember, and that was difficult. But it could have been way, way, way worse. Everybody knows somebody who has had a stroke and it's paralyzed half of their body or made it so their speech is really slurred. Oh, one thing that I found interesting, and maybe you will as well, but somebody called my mom on the phone right after it happened, you know, like one of her relatives from Arizona, and they were speaking Spanish to her. And my mom's Spanish was not affected at all by the stroke. Just her English. There were English words she couldn't remember. But in Spanish, she sounded exactly like she used to. And that, to me, is strange because... Well, I, I, maybe we've all heard about people who get brain injuries and it affects their, their memory. But if they knew a second language, it doesn't affect that because it's a different lobe or different part of your brain that does that. Well, maybe that's only interesting to me. Anyhow, because of that, because of my, the health scare with my mom, you know, people, I think, their emotions are a little bit closer at hand. We just lost my uncle. My mom had a stroke. And then just yesterday, the day that I was super stressed, my mom mentioned to me, so, so she's not allowed to drive. And so she's had me drive her places. And she was really worried about her oldest brother who lives alone and uh, is always in poor health. He hadn't been answering his phone. She had texted him the day before and he didn't text back. And his daughters had been talking to my mom, and they also had been calling and texting, and he hadn't texted back. And everybody was worried. And so he lives in Hemet, California, and uh, his son lives in, like, Redlands, someplace that's very, very close to Hemet. And so my mom had gotten the son on the phone and said, hey, can you please check on your dad? And uh, he went to the house, and the door was locked. But he knocked and he rang the doorbell and his dad didn't answer. And so everybody was worried. And my cousin said, I don't know how to get in. I'm probably going to have to break down the door to get in there. And we were all fearing the worst. So he did break in. But we all would have done the same thing in this case, I think. And he went in there. And speaking of suspense. I had to ask my mom what was going on, and she had to ask her nephew what was going on. And he had put down the phone and, and, and broken into the house and gone in. And then my uncle was alive. You know, he's not well, but he was alive. He was sedated on painkillers, or he, he takes these pills, and they, they sort of knock him out. So he wasn't able to come to the door. But he had dropped his phone behind the bed. It had slipped behind the bed and he was unable to get to it. So that's why he hadn't been replying to text. That's why he hadn't answered the phone. He was alive and everyone was relieved by that. And I, I didn't talk to my uncle, so I don't know if he was upset about the door. I, I would imagine you would be, but still, it, it's nice that your son was worried enough that he broke down a door 
to make sure that you were all right. Uh, well, I guess that's about all I have to say about this. Ho, I... ho, ho. What was that? Ho, 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 I said. Oh, fake Sean Connery. What are you doing here? Well, didn't you hear what I said? I was insulting you. No, 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 no. Hey, no mother jokes this time. Your sister. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> All right. That's uh, fair. Uh, I haven't heard from you in a long time. Yes, and your life is so much grimmer because of that. True. Did you just want to wish uh, our listeners the... Oh, gosh. Listener at this point. We lost somebody already. I, I thought it was a short episode. Did you want to wish somebody a, a, a Merry, Merry Christmas? Christmas? No, no. They can stuff their Christmases. I just noticed that your episode was running short and had to comment on that because it's the first time it's ever bloody happened. Well, that, <laughs> that's not untrue either. Okay, well, thanks for dropping by. No, no, no. Stretch this sucker out like some uh, salt water taffy. Or your cousin on a second date. Hey, hey, wait, which cousin? Stretch it out how? Well, tell everyone about the, uh, the Christmas party. Well, no, the, 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 there's nothing to tell. We had it in uh, the town where I went to high school, where my sister lives. I drove down there like four o'clock in the afternoon. Basically, we just had Mexican food, which is our tradition, and... Uh, chatted with people, and then we did the, the the white elephant exchange. Okay, that's what I want to hear about. What, why? Oh, okay, I, I think I know where you're coming from. Good, good, prattle on. So I hadn't gotten a white elephant gift. I, I had focused on this story, but everyone is required to bring a white elephant gift. And I, I remember in the past, I went to some store with my mom and they had a bunch of cheap but useful or entertaining gifts. And so we bought an, a bunch of extras in case people showed up without gifts. Uh, but we didn't do that this year. And I, I went to this store that sells hair pieces. Do they sell hair pieces there? Funny you should mention that. No. Uh, they, they sell like scratch and dent kind of thing and overstock from other stores. It's a, it's a place... I will often go to get my envelopes. I, I burn through a hundred envelopes a month, probably. And so I, I use a lot of them. I, I wish I could say I burned through a hundred envelopes sending out story submissions, but no. I can't remember the last time I, I wasted an envelope on that. But I went there and they had a bunch of boxes in a row on the floor with just various items that they were unloading. And I saw a mannequin head. A what? Like the head of a dummy. Yeah, so it was a mirror. <laughs> really, that, that was well set up, fake Sean. No, it was a, a plastic head that you would put on a mannequin. And it was bald. It was female. And in the box next to it, there were all of these wigs. You know, obviously... The wigs are to go on the mannequin. And, and so a, a light bulb went off over my head. You were thinking, finally, a potential girlfriend for Rish Outfield. That, that was actually my, my first thought. But the second thought that I had was, wouldn't it be funny to get one of these and wrap it up and have that be my white elephant gift for the 
the party. And so I, 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 I usually use my niece to, oh, you filthy bugger. No, no, no. I use her as a springing board for these ideas. So I took a picture of the mannequin head and I sent it to her and I said, what, what do you think of this as a white elephant gift? And she said, do it. I hope that I win that, <laughs> which, is, which is pretty cool. And uh, yeah, I got to be, be honest. honest. You hoped that you'd win it too. No, 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 not at all. Dude, don't be a perv. I bought a second one for myself. So I bought that and uh, they, oh my gosh, they actually had three boxes of envelopes. I've been there before and found like a single box. And I think that there was a time years ago when the store first opened when I found like four boxes of envelopes and bought them all. But this was the first time that I had found a bunch in a while and I bought three. And one of the boxes was like so torn and destroyed that when I was trying to get it out of my car, when I came home, it just tore open and all the envelopes dumped into the snow on the ground. But I'm still going to use them. Anyhow, uh, I don't know why I told you that. Either to make the episode longer or to humanize yourself in front of your listener. Oh, never mind. No listeners are left. Well, I, I sort of blame you on this, fake Sean. <laughs> You're welcome. What? Anyhow, I, I went home and I put it in a box. And uh, so, so I don't know if I said I, I, I bought the mannequin head and then I bought a wig to go on the mannequin. And, and maybe I should have bought like more than one wig. So you'd have like different options for hair. But I didn't want to spend that much money. I, I Frankly, I didn't want to spend any money. But I wrapped it up and we took it to the party and I purposely didn't write my name on it. Well, I, I don't think you're supposed to, but we did our, our game where everybody is sitting in a circle and I read my story and, and, you know, it went over all right. The kids at least didn't complain that it was too long. I had given my niece a cowbell. I, I thought that I could get a bell from my mom. And she said, well, I don't know where my school bell would be, but here's a bell. And it was a cowbell. Ding, ding, ding kind of thing. And I gave that to Cathexis and she ended up giving it to her boyfriend because she wanted to play the, the game. And he didn't. He was too cool for school. So whenever I said right or left, he would ring the bell. And I did the story and I did it fairly fast. And there were a couple of laughs. I liked that. Uh, and then the, the story was done and I went and, and sat down in the circle. They had saved an, a spot for me and um, I wanted to see who got the mannequin head. And it was my aunt, the one that used to complain about Harry Potter having like evil satanic spells. And maybe it maybe one of the characters in the story was based on her. And I thought, oh, oh, no. But there was nobody... I wasn't sitting close enough to Cathexis to tell her, oh, look, 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 look who has the box. So I just, I just sat and I waited and everybody opened their white elephant gift. Mine had a snow globe in it, which is, which is nice. But uh, I heard this, what? And all faces looked over and, and she pulled out the head, the bald head. And she said, who did this? She looked around and nobody claimed it and Cathexis didn't say a word. And my cousin didn't say anything, thankfully, because, you know, I think he would have known. Oh, there's only one person that would have wrapped that up. Uh, I was surprised my mom didn't, but she, she said nothing. And 
she just held up this bald mannequin head. I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? And I was tempted to say, well, you know, there's more in the box, but I didn't. I just feigned ignorance. I, I suddenly found the snow globe in my hands. Very fascinating. She eventually did pull out the wig and my Uncle John made a derogatory comment about the ethnicity of the hair for the mannequin. And, you know, she sort of grumbled and put it back in the box. And I, I thought, isn't this what the white elephant gift was supposed to be about, though, is something that you're like, oh, I don't want that. Oh, what silliness is this? Or, you know, harmless novelty or prank or something like that. that, that that's what a white elephant gift was defined to me as. And maybe it's not like that with you. But Big Anklevich told me this story that in his family, somebody had brought a bra with like 6D bra that you could fit like bowling balls in as a white elephant gift years ago, like when he was 13 or something like that. And everybody like whooped and applauded and thought that it was very funny. And the brother that got the bra as the gift kept it and wrapped it up and brought it the next year as his white elephant gift. And it became a tradition for them until like all the kids had moved away or, or probably until Big had moved far enough away he couldn't go to the family Christmas party anymore. I'll bet that's what it was. But it became a tradition for them for somebody to bring that bra and wrap it up and whoever ended up with that at the end of the the party was the like the loser of that year and it was their job to wrap it up and bring it the next year and unload it and i just love that i i, I think that that is really really a spectacular harmless but hilarious family tradition and so maybe my aunt will bring mannequin head and wig next year and I will uh, laugh and tell you that. Fake Sean? Fake Sean? What? Well, I'm sorry I dozed off about five seconds into your boring tale. Okay, I was just going to ask you, is it long enough? <laughs> Depends on what you're going to use it for. No, no, I meant, uh, had I gone on... Uh, Christmas for me at least, tends to be a time to spend with your family and remember uh, the, the good things in your life and maybe the old happy memories of childhood Christmases or people that aren't with us anymore and the fun that we had years ago. And I hope that uh, you have a fine Christmas with your own family or the family that you've made along the way. And uh, I will see you again soon. Well, maybe not see you, but you will hear me again soon. Thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, the kind things that you've said in the past. If you are a Patreon supporter, thank you for that. If you uh, have ever donated to encourage me to do more episodes, thank you for that as well. There are many things that I have to be grateful for. And uh, have a Merry Christmas. The Rish Outcast was produced under a Creative Commons Attribution No Derivatives 3.0 license. It means that you may download and copy the files free of charge 
but they do not belong to you. Hence, you cannot charge for them or alter them for your own perfidious purposes. The music used in the episode was provided by Sir Kevin MacLeod, available from his website incompetech.com under its own Creative Commons license. And I urge you to consider going to www.patreon.com forward slash Rish Outfield to support the show if you would enjoy more of this madness. Good night. Did I mention that you are also... Uh... He met his girlfriend's parents, grandparents, cousins, aunts, nieces, brothers, step-cousins, sister, nephews, uncles, second cousins, half-cousins, and cousins-in-laws. Let's do that in one breath. Except for Uncle Alan, who told an inordinate... Who told an inordinate... Um, who told an inordinate... Who told an inordinate... Who told an inordinate? I'm seeing it in front of me. Who told an inordinate nun? Who told an inordinate amount of joke? Yes, she is. I'm not so sure. Th- not so sure she thinks so, but not so sure thinks. I'm not so sure she. I'm not so sure she. Fuck. I'm not so sure she thinks she is. So feel free to tell her that. Okay, give me a minute, he said then started up the mower again, flexing his lean, smooth arm as he pulled the starter. Instead of pulled, I'm going to say tugged the starter, jerked to the starter, yanked to the starter. Here's an outtake for you. I started this thing recording, and then I ran in the gas station to get a soda. I figured it would take between two and four minutes at the very most, maybe even less than that, because... You know, it's just going to self-serve, and I, I was paying in cash, <laughs> and uh, there weren't any uh, open spots at the uh, gas station except for the handicapped spots, and then there were these spots that had orange cones put in front of them. You could still park there, but clearly these were designated for something. And I thought, well, I'm going to be three minutes. Uh, there's no other place to park. I'm just going to park right here. I'll leave this sucker recording, and I'll be back in three minutes. And I ran in, and I grabbed my soda, and then there was only one person in line. It was a, a an older lady, and so I got in the line second, and and I waited. And a guy showed up and got in line behind me, and a guy showed up and got a line, in line behind him, and the line just wasn't moving, and I was able to hear... The, the lady, and she was, she was asking the guy to explain how the membership cards worked and what her different options were, and then she started to explain how it used to be, and she liked the old way better, and the guy said, well, you know, I've been here for two and a half years, and this is how it's been since I was hired, and she's like, no, no, what I want, and she was explaining, this is all like their... their Membership, get two cents a gallon off a gas if you have the card promo thing. Anyway, I heard the two guys behind me, they they formed a fast friendship, chatting and complaining about why the line was taking so long. And uh, 
I was holding this drink in my hand and eventually <laughs> I had to switch it to my other hand because my hand was so cold from holding this drink. And uh, a, a lady came in dressed all in like her Christmas outfit with her kids all dressed in like little suits and the girl with a, a like a Christmas dress on and they got in line after us and I looked over at them and it, it, it made me wish that I had just skipped the drink altogether or not parked in a place where I might get in trouble or not left the recorder going on battery or running out of space. Anyway, I was in there for a good eight, nine, maybe even 10 minutes. I'll know for sure when I go to edit this and find out how much silence there was on the recording. But finally, the woman was just like, fine, okay, I'll just pay full price. And he's like, well, ma'am, even the old way, you still would have paid full price. She was buying like sodas, he said, because you have to buy nine and, you're, and then your 10th is free. And she huffed and she paid and, and then left. And then I got up to the counter and he goes, oh, you just have a drink? And I said, yeah. And he goes, no charge, Merry Christmas. And then he looked at the, the two guys behind me and he's like, what have you guys got? Okay, you got a beer? Kevin, I have to charge you for that, but everything else, Merry Christmas. Sorry about the wait. And I just thought, what a nice thing to do. You, you don't have to do that. I mean, it's exactly the sort of thing I would do and get fired for at a job, but it just, that, that was very kind of the dude. And I came out and once I got outside, there were like six available parking spots now. So there was no reason for me to have parked in front of an orange cone, but I I did, and I got in, then continued the uh, the episode. And now you've had this lovely, heartwarming outtake to just uh, defrost your icy little hands and toes. Thanks. <laughs>